Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here in FCBC, how do we say it, family? We live, we love, we serve. I want us to turn to the book of Philippians today, the third chapter. This, this, this word today is for those who are entering a, a different, a new season in your life. I think we enter these seasons pretty regularly. Um, and I think this, this is for those who are in that moment right now. Philippians 3, 12 through 15. And I'm going to read from the New Revised Standard Version and the Message Bible. Philippians 3, 12 through 15. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to pause there, actually, 12 through 14. I'll stop there. In the Message Bible, this is how, uh, yeah, in the Message Bible, this is how it reads. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning me or beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Amen. Come on, beloved, let's pray. When peace like a river attendeth my way and when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with our souls today, O oh God. God, we thank you today because in spite of all that we can go through and will experience, we have learned to say it is well. Not because the circumstances are always fixed, but because you, O oh God, are always present. And it's your presence, O oh God, your presence that lets us know that all will be well. In spite of the missteps and mistakes we may have made, in spite of the shortcomings we have, it is well. God, thank you for being that fixture in our lives who makes all things work together for good to those of us who love you, O oh God. But more than that, those who are called according to your purposes. So, God, we come now in this moment 
in humility and in gratitude and in love and with joy. Say, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. For this is a new season. Thank you, God. Thank you. For this is a new day. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. For we stand here because you have been standing strong in us. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. And we say amen. Amen. Remain standing. Let me read just the, the message Bible version of that. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I've made it, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and not turning back. Amen. Do me a favor, beloved. Turn to your neighbor and just simply tell a neighbor, keep pressing forward. Come on, turn to the other neighbor. Just tell a neighbor, keep pressing forward. Amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise on this day. The Apostle Paul was a man who was driven by many things. Part of Paul's motivation in his evangelical aspirations, what drove Paul to spread the gospel to build churches, was really twofold. A sense of regret, but also a sense of hope. His regret was, in these words that he penned to the church at Corinth, he said to the church in a letter he wrote, he said, I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. That regret that Paul held within him was because he knew there was a point in his life where his mission was to arrest and imprison those who dared to follow the teachings of the carpenter. That was his mission, his calling, until he had his own creative encounter with God. When he had that encounter with God, it was transformative and it shifted the nature of Paul's mission and work. What I love about God at times when God calls us to new assignments, God doesn't always change us. God redirects our focus. Whereas Paul was passionate and zealous to imprison and persecute Christians, now, after his own conversion, Paul is uh, zealous and anxious about now converting people to the teachings of Jesus, the good news. Paul does this again with this mix of regret, which is sprinkled with a little guilt and then topped off with hope and possibility, not just for himself, but for those who would honor the teachings of the poor Palestinian Jew named Jesus. 
He was zealous again for this kind of work, and it seemed as though for Paul, his work was never really fully completed. No matter how much success he had in his assignment, Paul always felt there was more to do, that there was something else that had to be done. It wasn't that Paul was dissatisfied with the work, but Paul always felt that he could always expand on his work and his assignment. So when Paul begins to speak to this church in Philippi from jail, he reminds them of the work that he had done. He reminds them of the calling upon his life. He reminds them of the struggles that he has experienced. He reminds them of the ups and downs of his own ministry, the challenges he has had. He reminds them that this work is not easy. It is not for the faint of heart because this work comes with a lot of struggle, a lot of strife that you will not always be welcomed wherever you go. There'll be people who'll be trying to destroy you. There'll be people who will try to undermine your name, your reputation. He makes it clear that this is not something you just jump onto because you think somehow it gives some access to God in some significant way. No, Paul is faithful. But he lets the church of Philippi know in the midst of his faithfulness, he still knows that there is more to do. And in that prison, he still lets them know not only is there more to do, but my zeal has not faded. My passion has not waned. My my joy for this work has not shifted. That the circumstance I find myself in now in prison does not change the nature of my commitment or my output. That's an important message that Paul must communicate because Paul realizes that there is always a temptation to determine the nature of your commitment and your work to the situation or circumstances that we believe are conducive for that said work. In other words, there's some of us who can only honor certain assignments in our lives if the situation and circumstances prove favorable for us to accomplish the work. But all of us who've done anything worth struggling for know that when you are honoring an assignment in your life that is connected to some calling God has placed in your life, that is connected to some gifts God has given you for the calling and the assignment, that every day will not be an easy day. Every day will not be a day filled with roses and comfort, that there will be days along the journey where you will be tested. Your commitment will be tested. Your your allegiance will be tested. Your fealty to God and the calling will be tested. And there are some people who think that somehow the day you say yes to God means that that yes translates into smooth passage. But you don't have to live long in this journey to recognize that your yes to God doesn't always mean smooth passage. Sometimes that yes to God ignites the energy of those who said no to God. And not only those who said no to God, but those who are made up in their mind to be enemies of those who say yes to God. You'll get that a little bit later. There will always be people who for every yes you say will be angry and outraged because of your audacity to honor something that is bigger than you. We all want to belong to something. We all want to be significant, but the key is can our desire for significance and belonging be connected to something that is bigger than us. And Paul, again, I'll reiterate, makes it clear that when you sign on to this word in life, this journey in life, this way, what I call the way of the carpenter, it will not 
be easy. Now, here's the thing. Not only will there be struggle and strife, yes, but there'll also be victories and success. Don't get it twisted that you will do this work, and yes, you will have challenges, but you will also have moments where you can look back and say, that with God was something that blew my mind. That, that journey with God will also allow you, Mary, to experience moments of bliss, beauty, grandeur, joy, breakthrough, success, achievement, where you will see some of your greatest aspirations come to pass, where you will see some of your greatest goals come to pass, all because you made a decision to honor the commitment of God upon your life. But here's what you got to be careful. He says this, don't let the past strife or past successes slow you down. I hope you get that. Don't let the past strife or the past successes slow you down. Because why? There's always more work to do. Celebrate the success, but 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 learn that there's still more work to do. You ever been in a situation where some of the things you set down for your life, some of the goals and some of the desires you put out, some of the visions and dreams come to pass and then you lost energy? Oh, yeah, I know that's the case. All of a sudden, the thing, the high point, the bar you put for yourself came to pass. You attained it, and then you were struggling to reimagine what the next thing is, or then you were struggling to generate energy for the next thing because you felt you've accomplished the thing that you always wanted to do. Here's why we sometimes lose energy, because we attached our success to our livelihood and our joy. And once you hit it, then what do you do? I know I'm not the only one in here who's experienced that, where you have reached the goal, you have achieved the margin, you have made the way, and now you got to recalibrate and find a new kind of joy to keep pushing to set new goals and new aspirations and new desires in your life. Paul says, here's how you counter that. Don't over-celebrate the success and don't over-mourn the struggle. Oh, gosh, you'll get that. Here's how he put it. He said, not that I have achieved it all, that I'm already there. I'm still trying to get there, but here's the key. He said, I've learned to lay those things behind me that I've already experienced, the good and the bad. I've learned to put it behind me. Here's what he said. And I press towards the mark of the high calling that God has placed over my life. That means that there's a calling reach, calling reach, assignment fulfilled, and then there's still assignment, calling, and high calling above your life that God places. See, because it's a lot of times your goal and aspiration is connected to your vision. Your vision at times is connected to your imagination. And if your imagination is limited, so will your vision be limited. If your imagination is limited, I'm going to say it again, so will your vision. Let me say it over here. If your imagination is limited, so will your vision. That's why when I can see it, I pull back, I wait, because what I can see, God will surpass and shatter the things I can see. Where my imagination fails, God's creativity begins. Oh, you'll get that when you get home. Where my imagination fails, God's creativity begins. That means there's always more to do, more to go, more ways to go. Paul said, I lay aside those things behind me and set those things that are before me. Here's what he said, I press. I make it my passion to move forward in this journey. Oh, my gosh. I'm really done at that point, but here's what I want to give you. 
A few things I think will help you that Paul, that you kind of, you kind of pulled, you, you strained from Paul's words. Lay those things that are behind me, just put them behind, the good and the bad, put it behind. Now, here it is. What does that mean? Now, don't take it the wrong way, but it means on some levels, you have to have a short memory on some things and learn to let the past be the past. I want to say this cautiously because I'll explain. It's almost that you have to forget the past. Now, somebody said, wait a minute, Pastor. There's a whole lot of people in Florida trying to make us forget the past. Nah, nah, nah. Those folk who are trying to make us forget the past are really afraid of the future when those who've experienced trauma in the past realize the significance of their importance in this world and they're trying to restrain people from living because some people want you to forget your past because your past exposes their horror. Remember this. Your past is always a plain serena to learn from but not live in. I hope you get that. We can all learn from our past experiences, our past failures, our past successes, but do not live in it. In other words, you can forget the past to a degree, but always remember the lessons learned in the past. That's the key. The only way you can move from the past is to make sure you've learned from it that you've learned from those past mistakes, those past missteps. Have you ever had that where you actually pause to reflect upon things that you maybe thought did not work out and you actually learned from it? Here's what I realized. There's really no real thing as failure as long as you learn to learn from every experience. Failure is not really an issue if you're learning from every experience. The only failure that arrives is when you fail to learn from the experience. I hope you get that. So as long as you're learning, it is not failure. It becomes a growth point in your life. Are you with me here today? Watch this. So you learn to forget the past. Why? Use the past as a place of reference, not a place of residence. Oh, I like that. Again, that's like learning from it, but not living in it. It is always a reference point, not a place of residency. Don't get stuck there. Don't get laid there in a position where you can't fully appropriate the significance of what you have been through. And here's another one. Here's where I learned this. You can't really move on to the next chapter in your life if you keep rereading the old one. I hope you get that today. Right? So forgetting the past is not not learning from it is learning not to be held captive by the past in a way that you no longer learn from it or you just keep lamenting about the past of what should have been, what could have been. No, the past is what? The past. Now you must fortify yourself for what God is seeking to do in your life in this season at this moment. How many things have you missed in your life because you were stuck in a past that already died? How many moments of your life have you actually miss in your present moment because you could not get over something you experienced and that thing you experienced in the past becomes your continual point of not reference only but also residency. You're living in it. You're dwelling in it. You can't even move out of it. You're stuck in that place, that space that now has you captive. It was supposed to be an experience. You've made it a permanent residency. Learn from the past. Don't get stuck 
in the past. Learn from it. Learn how strong you are and learn how courageous you've been and learn how amazing you are. Learn how adaptable you've been. There are always points in your past where you can refer to and learn something, not just about life, but about yourself. I've learned more about myself in reflection on the things I've gone through in my life that now fortify me for anything I can face in my present or in my future. That's the key. That I've learned from my past in such a way that I feel prepared to face an uncertain future and an unknown present because I've learned from my past experiences. So forget the past. Here's the other thing I love. Forget the past. And then here it is. Face the future. Gandhi said that the future depends on what you do right now. That if you, well, the best way, I read somewhere, the best way to predict your future is to create it. In your present, you don't just sit around waiting for the future to happen. You don't just sit talking about the future, Marion. You actually engage in the present to actually create the future you want to see. Now, here's the good news. When you create the future or think about the future you want to see, leave room for God to expand it in ways you could not. Oh, man, that's what I've learned in my own journey, right? That, that, that if you can help create the future, which means now that when you also trust God while you're creating the future, that you get to a point where you're trusting God and making room for God to do what God needs to do. That means that you and God are creating the future, but that future that you and God are creating are determined by your commitment to right now. What are you doing right now to prepare for the future you need? Don't tell me what you want to do, who you want to be, but you're not making plans and preparation in right now. Then if you're not making plans and preparation in right now for the future you want to see, those are just pipe dreams that are never coming reality. You can have these great aspirations for your future, but don't want to plan and prepare for it. No. The planning and preparation you do right now is to build on the future that you want to see and always leave room. Well, let me back up. Not only leave room, but I tell people, make sure you write down your plans of the future right now in pencil, not pen. Always pencil with a big eraser because when God begins to change something right now because you could not fully see because what I've learned in my journey, and some of you already know this, that everything with God on this journey is subject to change, that God will change it in ways you can't imagine. I mean, I, I need you to get this part. I need you to get this. In your present right now, in your present right now, as you prepare and you plan, you prepare and you plan for the future, leave a little room to be blindsided by God's unexpected breakthrough in that moment. There were things that you thought and want to see, yes. The aspirations you have, yes. There are goals you said, yes. But leave room for God to come in and disrupt all of that and do things you can never imagine for yourself. Yeah, one of the ways I face the future is to trust God in my present. One of the ways I face the future is to be ready right now. I know we know people always talking about what they're going to do. Always talking about what they're going to be. And then you look at their actions in the present. It would suggest there's no commitment to the future. What are you doing now? What foundation are you laying? What building blocks are you putting together? What plans are you now trying to see through to guarantee the future you want to see? 
Maybe the future you want to see is connected to your vision for yourself right now. Oh, gosh. Paul said, laying those things that are behind me and looking forward to those things ahead of me, he said, I press towards that mark, that thing that God has set before me. I let the past go. I face the future by pressing in right now. This is my right now moment. This is the moment I begin to make those preparations. Why? Because the past, I already said it, is a lesson. The present is your gift. The future is your motivation. I hope you get that. The past is your lesson. Lesson. The present is your gift, and the future is your motivation. The future is what drives you, but the gift you have is right now. Are you making the most of your time right now in preparation for your future? I understand what procrastination can do. I know that quite well because those of us in here who can be honest know that we are well-versed in the sacred art of procrastination. We all have done it. But that's okay because sometimes, and I read this in a book and I heard this yesterday, sometimes our procrastination is internal resistance to future greatness. You hear that? Internal resistance to future greatness. That is what procrastination is. It is not that you don't have the skill set. Sometimes we resist the skill set we got because we're afraid of the new world what God has given us will create. So we forget the past. We face the future. And here's the last thing I think Paul reminds us in that pressing towards tomorrow. It's simple. And we're done. We focus on God. I want you to get that. Focus on God. What, in some abstract way? No, this goes back to the past experiences. I focus on God in ways that remind me of what God has done in my life. Why is that? We all have struggle. We all have trouble. We all have trials. Can I put it this way? We all have giants. But this is what I read somewhere, that when you focus on the giant, you stumble. But when you focus on God's, the giant stumble. Oh, God, I love that. When you focus on the giant, you stumble. But when you focus on God, the giant stumbles. Because you realize that when you shift your focus on God, the giants in your life begin to shrink. Oh, yeah, I didn't get that. Okay, let me try this again. When you focus on God, the giants in your life begin to shrink. And y'all ain't get that. I need to say it again. When you focus on the trial, the struggle, the giant, you fall short. When you focus on God, the thing you are fighting against, struggling with, that gets smaller. Because you realize that when you begin to center your attention on God, the things that are trying to consume and control your attention, which is your struggle, begin to lose their impact on your life. Because you are shifting your focus. Can I tell you this? The things you thought were giants have always been that. They've just been different points in your life where you learn not to focus on the giant, but you focus on the God who has been strengthening you. Okay, let me get churchy so maybe you'll get that. The reason why you can focus on God in the midst of your giant problem is because you've seen God destroy your past giants. Oh, gosh. You, you've seen God move in ways that made the power of your past giants 
almost obsolete. It had no bearing on your life. It is your experience with God that helps you focus on God. It does not negate your preparation and face in the future, but it also helps you to trust in God as you make movements in towards that future. You get that? That in the midst of it, when you see what you can do, now back up. Watch what God has already done and what God will do again. Okay, let me go real super churchy. The same God who did it before is the same God who will do it again. Is anybody in here this morning? who can testify the reason why I can press forward in my journey is because God has been taking every step along the way with me and with you. And if there's anybody in here today who's in that point where you feel stuck in your journey, keep on pressing. You feel stagnant in your journey, keep on pressing. Because the future that God has designed for you is better than the stuff you walked away from. In fact, I gotta help somebody. This may be a season where your future is connected to how many things you learn to turn your back on. Oh God, that there's some things in your life you got to learn. This no longer serves me. I'm pressing forward. This no longer is good for me. I'm pressing forward. This does not do me any good. I'm pressing forward. Look at somebody and tell them, keep on pressing. Come on, tell somebody else, keep on pressing. Can I get church again? Because God ain't through with you yet. Keep on pressing because God is still molding you and shaping you. Keep on pressing, beloved. This may be the season where you have to be able to have a clean line of separation. And not, well, no, let me back up, Vic. The line of separation is here. You got to make the decision to step over that line and let those things be what? Behind you and press towards what is in front of you by being resilient in your right now moment. Keep on pressing. Keep on pressing. Somebody needs to hear that today. You know why? Because you got to the point where you've been almost ready to throw in the towel. You ever been to that almost point? He's like, I was almost ready to give up. I was almost ready to surrender. I was almost ready to let go of that dream. It's amazing how the dreams we have begin to fade, not because the dreams weren't real, but because time is messing with us. What do you mean? You say things like, it's been so long and it still hasn't manifest yet. And then you start questioning, should I still hold on to this thing? Should I still press towards it? Should I still let it be a goal? I mean, it's been five years, 10 years and 15 years and, and my God, and, 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 it, and it's not coming to pass. And I've had that. I'm telling you right now, I've been in that space where I started wondering, God, what I felt, what I saw, what I heard, was it really for me? And what makes you question that, Samantha? Because things are not coming together the way you thought they would. And, and, and like Paul cautions us, you're, you're ready to get stuck in what did not happen and miss what 
might happen. I want you to hear this. But here's when the, the writer reminds me in the psalm that a thousand years to God is like a day. No, no, no. Let me, let me, let me. In the Old Testament, it says that, that sometimes there's those moments in your life where it seems like, again, nothing is right. Here's, here's a biblical language, Pastor Joe. It seems like a time that the, the locusts have consumed your dreams. And then you hear God say, in an instant, I will restore the years that the locusts consumed. You ever had five years of hell? And then it shift. And all of a sudden, what God is doing is so breathtaking that it makes the five years of hell seem like one day. Okay. When, when the memory of the pain gets eradicated by the promise of the future. For me, I got to share this. I got to be transparent because many of you know my health journey. I could not get past at times the pain of my life. It became a familiar story when you talk about the things you've been through. You keep talking about, oh, man, man, I remember back in this year, this would happen. You keep refraining the painful moments, right? And I remember I never questioned God as to why I had to suffer so much physical hardship. Didn't do that. But there were moments where I was like, God, how much longer? How much longer will I be in this space? And, 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 and guess what? It took 46 years to get to a place when my physical healing could start. 46 years. But watch this. The past seven years have been so significant that the memory of the pain in the 46 doesn't even register anymore. Because what God began to do in that breakthrough year has been so amazing that the former years are now totally behind me. And I've learned to what? Keep on pressing towards the high calling God has placed in my life. Because it's one thing when they're behind you. It's another thing when you no longer look back. That's the goal. I don't just want it to be behind me, but I want what's right here and in front of me to be so significant that I never look back. That day is gone. That time is dead. I'm leaning forward. I'm pressing forward into the indescribable season that God has. And here's this. I got to be real. I know we got to go. We got to go. But, but Mary, watch this. Because I, I know this. You, you ever get to this point? I'm talking to my seasoned saints here. 
where, where, where things start to shift. And then you get a whole new set of concerns, Vic. Watch this. Things get good. And then you start counting the clock again. God, I've had 46 years of this. How many years of joy will I have? I mean, can I at least get 10 more years of life? So 15 more years or 20 more years. I know I'll never get back to 46, but man, just extend this good season. And then God got to remind you, that's not your work. Because if you're worried about the extension, you'll never experience the blessing of the promotion right now. Rest, rest in what God is doing right now. Settle into it. Don't think about how long, but say, God, thank you that every day is really a new day, that every day is a new opportunity, that every day is a new season. And I will not reread that last chapter anymore. I am walking into my new season, into my new chapter with full joy and full gratitude and full peace of mind. That's, that's where we have to be. So, beloved, the word is simple today. Keep on pressing forward. Keep on pressing forward. All right. If you need motivation to keep pressing forward, think of all that God had to do to deliver you from what's behind you. You would do a disservice to yourself to keep looking back. No, God, the reason why my eyes are focused is because what is in front of me far surpasses what was behind me. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. Come on, stand on your feet, beloved. Stand on your feet. Listen, we're going to pray, and then we're going to have our benediction. And today is our communal communion, which means that on your way out the door today, you make sure you grab a communion, two cups with you to share. But before we do all of that, there you go, I want us to pray today. I want us to pray because there are some of us who have a hard time moving forward because we continually lament the mistakes we've made. Okay. You made mistakes. You, you've done that. But the worst thing to do is to try to relive a time that's already passed. You can't recreate what has already transpired, but you can reimagine what is in front of you. Don't even be held captive by your mistakes. Learn from them and now forge forward, beloved. And know that part of the focus is God, but part of what gives you a sense of certainty and security is God. That presence of God in your life. And so here's what I wanna see real quick. Who in here today, by a show of hands, are in that in-between space where you haven't fully stopped looking back yet? Come on, there it, look at that. Come on, I know. Honesty. 
said, I'm on the fence. A whole lot of us on the fence. Nah. And what stops us from getting off the fence is worried about recreating what we've already experienced. No. No, when you do that, that means you're allowing the past to have power and victory over your life. Cross that line. Get off the fence and not backwards either. Step into this new season and see what God is about to do. You'll never know if God can blow your mind if you're stuck in a space that that puts a stranglehold on your mind and your possibilities. So we're going to pray today for those who had their hands up. And we all pray, come on. God, we come to you, oh God, realizing that the truth is some of us have been seduced by negative pasts. Seduced in ways that we begin to think that that past experience is all there could be and all there can be. And because of that, we're afraid to what? Let it go, God. But maybe this is a season to learn to let go of that painful past and move forward with confidence into an unfamiliar future. But here's the key, a future with God. The truth is that even in that difficult past, God was present. We didn't always recognize it, didn't always see it. That God's presence in our life is not conditioned on the circumstances. But we're here now. God, we want to move forward. We have to move forward. In fact, for many of us, oh God, our life depends on it. Whether we can take that step so that we can get to a point where we no longer look back. We learn from it. We grow from it, we evolve from it, but we move forward in this season. God, thank you for this reminder today. Thank you, oh God, because some of us need to hear this today because we're right on the cusp of something amazing. And what's stopping us from entering that amazing season is ourselves. We have become the saboteurs. We have become our worst enemies. And God, we come before you now to remind us that we have no need of fear. In fact, God, you have not given us a spirit of fear. You've given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And so, God, we will move in the power and we will move in love. And, oh, God, we will no longer let our sanity depend on people in the past. We trust you now. We will continue to trust you. And believe in you. You know, God, I know we say it all the time in church, but God, we say it today differently. The best is truly yet to come. We believe that. We believe that. And believing the best is yet to come helps beat back the separation anxiety we have from a painful past. The best is truly yet to come. Lord, we thank you. We love you. And we honor you. And it's in your name we pray. And we say amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter 
with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again.